Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Emerging Nine Golf Podcast. Uh, Jay Woodson is alongside. I am Mike Maroney. McLean Boyd, not with us again. Just, God, he's just grinding. Grinding. Out of town at sales meetings. Grinding. Grinding. He's not grinding on the podcast. I'll say that. He just, he's not. He's not grinding on the podcast. Not making time for us. McLean, if you're listening, we need you. We need you. Back. (laughs) Back. Um, I really want him to tell a story on the podcast, but I'm just going to leave it as a story. So, so. <laughs> just I want to let in case McLean, if you are listening, I do have that story recorded. So, if there's ever a blackmail situation that needed, I have plenty of ammo in our Zoom account. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I would so, love to hear it. welcome, welcome to our listeners. We hope everyone had a good week. We are back. Jay, what are you drinking? Hmm. Keep it simple. 1792. It's my go-to. There you go. Is that the Princess Anne bottle? Nope, nope, nope. That's special. That's nice. I'm saving that. But this is just the -the run-of-the-mill 1792 small batch. Nothing fancy. Ricky, in case you're listening, uh, no pinkies up. um, But here we are. (laughs) I love it. I'm drinking Smoke Wagon tonight. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uncut, unfiltered. It was a, a gift Good. from a gift from a member. Uh, I'm not going to say his name on this podcast right now because I'm currently That's... not speaking to him this week. Good. It's he nice listens, of you to do that. He, he listens to the podcast, but he is currently the opposing captain on our golf trip that we're going on. Oh yeah, don't uh, talk to him at all this week. So he's the enemy. So I told him I was not going to speak to him. Yeah, am I going to thank him for the bottle? Next week I'll thank him for the bottle, but this week wait till yeah, wait till the wait till the the golf trip's over, and then yeah. you can thank him. I don't want him to feel good about himself. So yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying your bottle. You bought me, damn yeah. straight, drinking your money. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like delicious. Drinking dollar bills right down your right, right down your throat. Uh, Thanks. It's delicious, by the way. The bourbon is it's fantastic. It's uh, it'll put hair on your chest, but yeah. Uh, is, what, what's the proof on that? Smoke wagon's good. They've got they've got an uncut and filtered. Is that the they've got like a white label too? That's pretty this good. One, this one's um, this one's like a 120 proof somewhere in there. Oh, oh, geez, 120 Gosh, something. Put, put some water in that thing, buddy. I put it. I put a couple dashes in it. Um, and it's and it's delicious now. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. So, uh, did you watch any golf this weekend? I did actually. I did okay. watch a little bit. I watched a little bit of golf. I watched Kucher top it out of the bunker a couple times on Saturday. <laughs> um, Gagged a huge lead away. He did. He did. You know, and <laughs> they interviewed him on Saturday, and he gave he gave his the typical Matt Kucher response. He was laughing and joking, so jovial. And I was like, ah, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. And obviously, it didn't work out for him, but. Um, you know, I mean, I, I get it. Like it, you know, you kind of, he took a, took a gamble. Uh, obviously we're talking on Saturday, but he was trying to hit some great shots and he, and he hit some, he obviously made an eight on, on, was it, was it 14 or 15 that he made? Uh, eight I want to say 15, but no, either way. I mean, he was playing incredible golf leading up to that. And then he made eight, then he made a bogey. And then obviously he kind of brought everybody back into the field, but he, he still was leading going into Sunday. So it wasn't like he wasn't like he made it. No, but he was tied with Camillo and it was a six stroke lead going into that 15th hole. He was definitely in command. Um, and then he kind of brought everybody back into the mix and obviously it, it, um, it bit him, you know, but yeah, I mean the golf course was easy. <laughs> it was so it was so easy. I mean we talked about it last week. I mean it was just the big, big, huge wide fairies. I, rem- I actually was watching uh, the telecast look back from the green, looking back to the fairway, and I was I was like, wow, these are these are wide fairways. I'm like this is kind of golf course that I want to play. You know, because you felt like you could just blast it anywhere. Um, you know, Did you see Adam Longstaff. No, I didn't see it. What did hundred percent driving accuracy? Oh, he hit every single fairway. He hit every fairway for seventy-two oh, wow. hole golf tournament. Every fairway. <laughs> I mean, I've happened like in thirty-one I've... years. Fifty-six for oh, fifty-six and fairways okay. hit. Okay, 
I was about to ask, when was the last time that happened? There you yeah, go. I think it was 31 years. Yeah, 1992. Who who was who was the person who did that? Oh, Tom Kite? A guy Tom? named Brian Clark. Brian Brian Clark. Never. C L A A R. Yep. It was at the memorial, which actually Ooh. is a pretty damn good golf course. I mean, those are wide wow. fairways to extend, that's, but that's a tough place to hit every fairway. Yeah. And two players missed just one fairway this week. Who 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 are those? Uh, Paul Haley and Troy Merritt. They miss only one fairway. Yeah, I could see Troy Merritt doing that. I don't know Paul Haley, but I could see Troy Merritt hitting hitting a lot of fairways. And eleven players went fifty four for fifty six. Mm. So fourteen players hit fifty four fairways or more. That's not a good golf course. No, there's a Tiger design too. It was someone was a Kelly Kraft. He came out kind of bashing it. Uh, he made some comments on on social media, and I'm I'm actually a proponent of wide fairways, uh, firm if it, if it's firm and fast conditions and allow players to try to play angles. But when it's that easy to hit fairways, I also like firm and fast so the ball can actually run through the fairway and get some trouble. Exactly. I, when my first thought that comes to, comes to mind would be like a Piner Summer Two yeah, with the core Crenshaw redesign. They eliminate the rough, so to speak. They have these, you know, waste areas, and it's basically all fairway, firm, fast. Okay, firm and, and almost like Augusta, like maybe in the eighties and nineties before they added that first cut. If you you had firm, fast fairways, if you didn't drive the ball well or, or use the angles of the fairways to slow the ball down, the ball would run away from you in the trees, right? But sounds like here. It was. It's almost like a resort style golf course where all it back. Of, everything is funneled back to the middle of the fairway. It's like okay, I pulled one a little left, hooked it, it hit the hit the bank and kicked back down the fairway. I, I blasted a little right with a little high fade and kicked down in the middle of the fairway. It's like oh well, where's the challenge there? You know? Yeah, it's like so. We're- again, resort golf. It's 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 essentially what this course was designed yes. for. I mean, it's yeah. great for you know. Or the people paying, you know, two two fifty, three fifty to play this golf course because it's beautiful. But well, I think part not, of it is not much of a challenge for a PGA Tour. Event. It's almost like the PGA Tour was just trying to throw a Tiger a bone or or something. Yeah, um, yeah. But like you were saying, like with Piner's number two. So that trip I alluded to earlier is me and there's 31 members from the Foundry. We're going down to the Dormy Club this this weekend in North Carolina, and Core Crenshaw design and it's you know Sand Hills firm fast like Pinehurst number two, and there's the way they use the slope, someone was asking me about it, and I said, you know, there's some dog legs, and you got to properly use the slopes. The or there's a hole like the fifth hole there, kind of fairway bends. I wouldn't call it a dog leg, but the fairway bends left, but the slope mm-hmm. goes right. It goes the opposite way of the bend of the fairway, and so you you stand on the tee box and you see this big wide fairway, and you don't think much of it, and you just hit it, and all of a sudden, if you don't have the right shape on it or the right line it can kick down and just keep running 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 and now you're either at a really bad angle maybe get into a little rough pine straw tree overhanging and if you don't pay attention to those slopes or how you're turning the ball against them or with them um they can play a lot narrower than they actually are yeah yeah sure that's the kind of style i like in wide fairways not just hey you're gonna hit every fairway and it's just gonna funnel right back to the middle that's stupid yeah, no, I think, you know, yeah, big wide fairways, there's, you want options there. Like, is there an advantage to hitting it down a certain side of the fairway? Okay, well, I've got a 50, 60 yard wide fairway, but um, if I hit it down the left side, there's a 15 wide, you know, 15 yard wide gap or, or, or area where if I hit it down this side, I've got the best approach into this pin placement on the left side of the green or vice versa on the right side. Um, if there's no, if there's, if there's no intricacies on intricacies on the, on the green, uh, that can dictate where you need to place the ball in the fairway, then it's like, yeah, whatever, just blast away, you know, and just, you know, hit whatever you can in the middle of the green. But, you know, I think they all build on each other. Like I said, if you've got some really, you know, developed green complexes and, and then you've got big wide fairways that are really firm and fast and they can run off and you got some slopes and some mounds. And you can use them to your advantage or to your disadvantage if you're if you're off. 
then the fairways actually don't play as wide as they seem, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, it doesn't sound like it, it, it obviously it didn't like it didn't seem like that was the case this week with guys. I mean, you had, so if you add up all those guys, uh, one guy hit every fairway, two guys hit all but one fairway and then 11 guys hit all but two fairways. So you're looking at 14 guys that hit every all all but two fairways that's i mean that's a lot for a pj tournament especially giving given the the this day and age with the way that the guys just blast away yeah um so i mean yeah, it's you kind have of a, a bummer tire we didn't we didn't mention the winner yet um eric van royen sorry right. eric but 27 under you know wins by two a remarkable 63 28 on the back nine like that that's some good golf but again 27 under that's just that's not fun. not a great test not a great test i mean i think six under was dfl a six under i mean yeah. that's good golf i mean yeah imagine you like hey you know you have a you go ahead and, you know your family's like oh how'd you do oh yeah i shot i shot 12 under this week oh man great playing yeah i was t59 t59 that's Average three no. under a day, and I was lapped. That's by not 20, good. By fifteen strokes. Yeah, no good. No, no good. good in my opinion. No. Uh, yeah, I no, was rooting for Camillo, though. I mean, I think everyone was, right? Oh, I think everyone. I was telling, I was telling my son, my oldest son. We were kind of watching the the Saturday round, and you know, Camillo was coming down the stretch, and he was he had no idea who he was, and I was just like giving him the the lowdown. Hasn't won since twenty fourteen. Um, we, we graduated college at the same year and he was the, he was the top dog. I mean, it was like Bill Haas, Camila Vajegas, and a couple other guys, but like, he was the man, you know, he was the man or, or I, maybe he was a year behind me, but either way, roughly the same time. But, um, he was a, he was one of the top dogs and, and for the most part, a pretty good guy. Like I didn't spend a yeah, whole lot of time you've heard him. about him. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't spend a whole lot of time playing with him, you know, um, interacting with him outside of golf. But the little bit that I did, it was just he was a pretty down to earth guy. And then given his circumstances of the last couple of years, I'd mm-hmm. say the last five years lost, uh, you know, a young, a young child, which I mean, anybody that 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 happens to you, you immediately you you pull for him. You know, if, if you're a parent, you're like, oh, God, that that's the worst, the worst case scenario. So he lost a, a young, uh, was it was it his daughter? I think it was his daughter. Yeah. Um, um, not even two, didn't make it to two years old, I don't think. Maybe not even, maybe not even a year old. But um, either way, it, the age doesn't matter. The fact that he lost, he had to bury a child is, is you know, awful. Um, so I think it. it for a lot of people, whatever, whatever issues you had with, you know, Camilo and, and his style of play and the spider and laying down on the green, I think most people are like, Oh, I like this guy. I'm a fan of him just from, from the simple fact of what he, what he's gone through. And it's been, I mean, he hasn't won since 2014 and he hasn't really competed in the last three or four years. So to see him kind of get back in the hunt and and have a chance to win. I mean, he ended up finishing, was he runner up? Yeah, he was T T second. T two. T second. I mean, I don't know what this does for him. I didn't look at the numbers. Um, and it's kind of it's really in all honesty, it's hard to even tell here with the fall series and what that means, but it so certainly obviously helped him in, in, in a lot of ways. So I, I feel like he's gonna get into a lot more events because of this, but yeah, I mean he's playing this week. He um he's up to I'm trying to pull it. He's up to he was start like 223 on the FedEx Cup before oh, the week wow. started. He's now up to 147th. Okay. So, so he's another he's got he's what two weeks mix. left. Two weeks left to have some good finishes to get the one top one in twenty one twenty five, I guess, card. Um so, I'm pulling for him. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, I, I'm a fan. I think he's he's super humbled with his situation, and he had some a lot of success early in his career. Hasn't won since 2014, um, and he's obviously a talented talented guy. I mean, he's a multiple PJ Tour winner. 
uh, all American at Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard, I haven't, I haven't heard any bad stories about the guy, you know, no. all. it seems like everything you hear is, is good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so and Van Royan, Van Royan was, was playing with a heavy heart too. One of his college buddies. So Van Royan and his caddy, they played together at university of Minnesota. And one of their college boys from the University of Minnesota had melanoma, was in remission. And then on Tuesday, Van Royen and his caddy got a text from his buddy saying he's terminally ill with cancer again, spread through his entire body. Ugh. He's got six to 10 weeks to live. And so you saw Van Royen at the end, him and his caddy had were, were both pretty emotional on 18 there afterwards, kind of winning one for their, for their buddy too. So uh, a lot of kind of heavy hearts and uh, deep, deep stuff, I guess, for the for the PGA Tour, which you know we sit here and we cuss about it every week, but uh, it's really not that big in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, you know, it's not. And, you know, we yeah, we you 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 hit the nail on the head. We we sit here and we just kind of we poke fun at certain players, and it's all in good fun. But in real life, I mean, it's just golf, and these people are real. They're real people. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they've got real issues. Um, they've got real, real things that they're dealing with family members and, and, uh, that are struggling with things just like, just like we all do. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, but, you know, hopefully, you know, you never know, obviously it doesn't sound like the prognosis is good for, uh, Van Royen's buddy, but, um, um, you know, you never know, you just, you know, hang on and maybe, maybe some, something, something good can come out of it, but, um. Yeah, it's just it's just a game in the end yep. of the day. It's just a game. <laughs> All right, on a on a lighter note, let's change the topic. On a lighter note, how many months would it take you to train in order to do the thing that Camilo does to read greens? Uh not never not enough. Never. I can never do it. I've tried it. I've tried to do it. I cannot do that. My body does not my body does not work in that way at all. Not even close. We should have a we should have a, a podcast that the three of us we should set a time limit by <laughs> by saint patrick's you, day we all have video to video we all have to video it and do it and see who can get the lowest and the closest to it uh, if i get that low i'm not getting up unless i need unless i get assistance from someone else uh, I, I mean i actually have tried to do this when when he was when he was in his heyday when he was doing that and when i was my most physically fit and i felt like i was a you know I'm not a Olympic athlete by any means. I'm not You're saying a professional that, athlete, Jay. I was, I was, well, yeah, yeah, sure. I guess you could say that. I mean, I was, I was a fit guy. Like, I feel like I could keep, hold my own, but like to get in a position like that, not happening. No. Not happening. That's like some high level advanced yoga shit. That's, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not, my body's not doing that. It's going to take a lot of hot yoga to get to that position. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's still impressive though to watch him it do is. that i mean i he's i mean we're the same age he's 41 40 41 42 years old i mean maybe he's close it, it does help i mean that's that's incredible that he can still do that like i think it does help to read a green like it is nice sometimes when there's like a slope there that i'll walk off if i'm near the edge of a green i'll walk off and i'm not doing that i'm just using the slope and you know, to yeah, if you can, if you can, yeah, say you walk off the edge of the green, walk off the edge of the green and go oh, below the green surface, yeah, below you the can, green, and you can see it. You're like, oh, I didn't see that. It's actually is breaking left to right. I didn't see that when I was standing straight up. Yeah. Um, no, no yeah. here's another question. It's a light week in golf, so I'm just gonna we're just gonna freewheel this right now. Let's go down. Let's go down a couple of rabbit holes. Let's, talk, go. let's, let's go. I'm down. Let's talk about green reading. Mm-hmm. What's your process? That's a great question. I, I will say that. I do have I do have a process and I do think that my process could be improved. But I think that the the biggest thing for me is one obviously using your vision to start what do you see when you stand behind the ball? Like trust your vision. That's my that's my first step. The second step is using my feet to walk around the hole, right? And and constantly looking at the green where if I were to dump a huge, gigantic, you know, a thousand bucket or thousand gallon bucket onto the green of water, where would all the water drain off on the green? 
at least an area that I'm putting. I, don't, I know there's greens that have a bunch of different undulations mm-hmm. and slopes, but where is the water going to drain off? And then walking around the hole to get a feel or a sense of where this water would drain off is like my visual. Um, and that I use my feet, use my feet. Obviously, I'm using my my eyes and my feet together, but allowing my feet to tell me like, oh, I feel the slope. Wow. I didn't feel that just standing because sometimes you look you look at between you look at your ball in the hole and you stand behind and your feet are telling you one thing in the position that you're standing. But as you walk around the entire putt your feet will tell you a, a little different story sometimes. And, and sometimes it can add some clarity to whether or not the putt is breaking left to right or right to left, but using your feet, not just your eyes. But um, once you walk around the hole, I mean, that, that's, that's me. I, I'm not a, I, I, I don't use aim point, but I, I'm not disputing it. I think it's great. I think the principle of aim point is great using your feet again, as you're walking, you know, tiptoeing your way into the into the hole and, and feeling the, the the ground and the percentage of uh, of how much it's breaking, you know, one way or the other, I think it's great. But um, I use it by walking around the hole and using my feet that way, and then using my eyes. And then once I make a decision, once I'm over the putt, then it's like, okay, I always call this the circle of the circle of trust. Like once you make your decision, okay, I've I've looked at the putt. Uh, I'm used. I've used my vision to look at the putt from behind. Used my vision to look at the putt from the opposite side of the hole. Now I've used my feet to walk around the hole to get a feel. Uh, and now once I get behind the once I get behind the ball and I'm getting ready to walk in, I walk into that circle of trust. You know, maybe whatever. Yeah, uh, two feet around the around your ball. You've got to commit. Like, okay, this is what I'm going with. You make a you you commit and say, hey, I'm playing this. I'm playing this 15 footer. I'm playing it six inches outside the right edge, and I got to go with it. I feel like more putts are made after you've made um, you know a confident um, assessment of what the putt's going to do, and you walk into this putt with some conviction, and then you go. And even if you don't hit a great putt, like even if you misread it, but if you hit a putt with some conviction there's a better chance that you're going to make it than mm-hmm. if you walk up there making the correct read, but like, you know, half-heartedly believing in it. Oh, I'd, I'd so much rather miss a putt because I misread it slightly and hit a good putt. Exactly. I'd exactly. rather hit a good, on a good line, good speed. It might not be the correct line, but it was the line that I chose based off of my yes. read than having a freaking perfect read and then yanking a putt or, you know, oh. jamming it through the through that break that you read and hitting it four feet past the hole. And you're like, well, yeah, it's not going to break on that line. You know, I, I hate that kind of shit. I'd rather be like, oh, I well, it. I just misread that. You know, that's kind of, yeah. you know, sometimes you can greens are hard with, to read. And you can live with that. Like playing a, playing a round of golf and hitting hitting a putt on the line that, you, that you've that you chosen and, and hitting that line and hitting it the way that you envision and then just misreading it. Like you can, you can finish a round of golf hitting eighteen putts like that. I know you still would probably be probably be upset, but if you <laughs> if you hit every putt on the line that you intended, and you just misread every putt, um, at least you've eliminated some of the variable, and you're you're walking out mm-hmm. like, okay, I can hang my hat on this. I'm hitting my lines, and my speed was good. I need to be a better green reader, right? But if you play a round of golf and you know half the time you're misreading, half the time you're not hitting your lines, and you're like, I don't know where to start, right? Yeah. And as we've all said, you know, golf is is a game of of uh, of confidence, and if you can find if you can find something to be confident in, then you can build on that the next time you go play. Like, but if you don't have anything to be confident in, you're like, geez, I'm gonna go play racquetball or freaking pickleball or whatever. You know, I'm gonna play something else. Or I'm gonna yeah. cut my clubs down, you know, halfway down so they can fit in the trash can, like I've always said. Over your knee. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, I like to read I I'll I do a lot of similar things to you. I, I like to kind of get a sense of what the green's gonna do before I get there. Like as I'm walking up onto yeah. the green, what's the general, yeah. what is my perception of the general slope of the green and, or like you said, that the, there's so many greens nowadays with, I would say sections, quadrants, mm-hmm. whatever, however you mm-hmm. want to phrase it. Um, 
that's what my main focus is. And then it's, I'll look, I'll glance at it right when I mark the ball, I'll glance at it, get my first instinct read. Then I, I like to go like midpoint low side a lot. If if I know which way it's going, it's like, okay, I know this is going left to right. I'm going to go low side to get a sense of, to me, I feel like it's a little bit easier looking into a slope. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm always a pretty good judge of uphill, downhill. And mm-hmm. so when I look into a slope, I can kind of, oh, that's going to, I'm, I'm looking into a bigger slope here. That's going to be a little more break than I thought. And then I love the the water analogy. If you're going to drop a bucket of water in that section of the green, where does it go? Mm-hmm. And I teach a lot of the members when we do talk about it, because I don't think people nearly work on this enough, nor do I think it's taught enough as well. And green reading is make a clock, right? Where's the straight uphill mm-hmm. putt? Find the straight mm-hmm. uphill putt. If yeah, you can find a straight uphill putt and then where you are on that clock, um, it's going to tell you a lot about the putt. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. I think, you know, there's there's some coaches um, <laughs> that really work um, to to make sure their students find that straight putt. Where's the, where's the fall line? Like, what's straight? And then you can work off that. Find that fall line. And and then you work off that on every putt, and then it's it makes it it just adds like I said, adds some clarity uh, visually um, with your with your eyes, with your feet, and you can see. Okay, I know this is the straight putt. I know that I'm. Let's just say the straight putt is at six o'clock. I'm at you know four o'clock. I know it should break this much. So the other part of it's like the the other part of that you 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 touch on it is. Am I putting uphill or downhill? You know, that's the other part. Again, like I said, you can look at a putt and say, okay, I know that the putt is breaking right to left. But the the next step is, am, am I putting uphill or downhill? That's huge and to, to, to determine how much, how much break you need to play. If I've got a 10-footer, let's say that's uphill, um, on let's just call it the greens that are rolling um, 10 on the stem. Right. Um, and and I'm going to say the it's a two balls outside the right edge. OK, that's a pretty straightforward. That's a great putt for a right handed golfer. Uh, Ten footer uphill, two balls out, not a ton of break. But now if I go in the exact opposite side of the hole, let's just say there's no weird slopes in the green, no humps or bumps. And it's just a gradual slope all the way down. Now I've got a 10 footer downhill. The exact same grade. I'm not playing that two balls outside the left. I've got to play it four, five, six, seven balls outside the left. I'm playing a foot, foot and a half outside the left because I'm hitting the ball so much easier. The ball's rolling so much slower. So there's so much more time for for gravity to take over uh, this putt. So that's the other part is understanding what's uphill, what's downhill. You know, that's the other part that, you know, as you, Mike, as a teacher, when you're teaching green reading and talking to to people, it's like one is understanding which way is the putt going, right? Again, you have to, like I've always said, you have to start with having a consistent stroke. Like, can I get my ball started in the first two or three feet on the line that I want, right? I've got a consistent stroke. I can get the ball moving on my target line. Great. Good job. You've got that down. The next part of it is understanding speed. Like, can I understand how hard to hit this ball? How hard, uh, how fast are the greens rolling? Right. And then the last part is being able to read how much break to play. Like, you can't read a putt if you can't get your ball started on your start line. And two, you, you don't understand the speed of the green. You don't feel the speed of the green. How are you going to read a putt? Mm-hmm. Like, say you've got a 10 foot putt left to right putt downhill that should be about a foot outside the left edge you one you can't hit your start line two you don't understand understand the speed or you can't feel the speed how am i going to go to a, a somebody and say hey it's a foot outside the left and they're like well honestly i t- sometimes i push it sometimes i pull it sometimes i hit it too hard sometimes i hit it too soft you can't read you can't read that putt right so no. it, it, they all build on each other you have to yeah. have the you have to have the consistent stroke, or at least when I say consistent stroke, you've got to get the ball started on your start line for those those first two or three feet, and then you can then you can start to feel 
and the speed of the greens, and then you can read the greens. But, but again, like like I said, like we were talking about uphill, downhill. That's a those are different, you know, because the speed at which the the ball is rolling is different. The faster that ball is rolling, the less gravity is going to take over. So if I've got an uphill putt at the same grade, say I've got one and a half percent grade on a green, but I'm putting uphill, the gravity is not going to move that ball um, until the last you know foot, right? Because I'm hitting the ball with so much speed, and then it's going to break in the last the last little bit of the putt. But if I'm no. putting downhill, right, same same grade, one and a half degree grade. Say I'm on the opposite side instead of that right to left putt, I've got a downhill left to right putt. Now the grade, uh, the the grade is the same, but the speed I've got to hit the ball so much easier, so gravity can take over this ball uh, quicker, right in the putt. So now the ball is starting to move downhill, which would be more left to right, and I've got to play more break because I'm going to hit it easier, right? So those that's that's the part that seems uh, to to catch a lot of. Uh, I would even say a lot of low handicappers, right? Mm-hmm. Like good players that that are that 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 are single digit handicappers, but just don't quite understand how that that affects the ball. Um, you know, downhill putt, you got to play more break, hit it easier. Uphill putt, uphill putts, you can play less break and hit it harder. You know? Yeah, and I think I think also too. I think when I hear an amateur say they're like looking at the apex of the break, that's not enough break. It's not enough break. It's not enough break. So the apex of the break, the ball has already come off its start line at the highest yeah. point. So that's why I think a lot of amateurs underread so many things is because like wh- how how they're visualizing the putt and looking at the apex, they're aiming at the apex. Well, it's already gone. I mean, especially on a downhill, lot of break, fast putt. That that ball's coming off its start line. Even if it's the correct start line, it's coming off of it. Almost immediately. Quickly. Quickly. Almost immediately. You're right. 100%. I agree. You know, and so I, I stress a lot of people when we're doing putting lessons. It's like if, if you see a foot of, especially at the foundry, we have some big gradual slopes and you can have mm-hmm. some big breaking putts. It's like if you think of the putts breaking a foot and a half, play it two and a half feet. Yeah. Because I'd also rather that putt not be breaking away from the hole. I want that thing breaking towards the hole. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So my next putt is only six inches versus two and a half feet. Yep. I agree. And I just and then think the, the whole it, apex thing throws people way off. And it's it's hard to putt that way, honestly. Um, you know, you you look at somebody like David Orr, obviously he's a big putting guru guru, and there's some others. obviously you know, Faxon is and I know you you met with Faxon last week and talked a little bit of a little bit of golf and a little bit of putting, but um a lot of these guys are it it's we we're all taught like pick a spot like where do you want to putt to pick a spot oh here's the, this is a 12 foot putt and it's breaking left to right play it a foot left of the hole right okay that seems very easy mm-hmm. but if you really were to to video every every player that from from the same distance let's say we had 100 players all different various handca- handicaps, you know, single digit all the way to 20 handicap. And you gave them a left to right putt from 12 feet. Um, and the putt, it's, you know, let's just say it's obvious that this putt is a foot out of, of the left side. There's a lot of different ways to make this putt, but there's a lot of different ways to visualize this putt too. So mm-hmm. you get some people that say, hey, I like to see this ball curling in at, you know, you know, at, at seven 30 or eight o'clock, you know, really high and left. And you got some other people that are like, Hey, you know, I see this putt going in at, at six 30, really firm and really firm and hard. And just on the left side of the hole, there's a lot of different ways to, to make that putt. Right. So, and I don't think the one's right or wrong, but it's, mm-hmm. it's just how you, how you visualize the putt. But all of a sudden, if you, if you lock too much in on picking a, uh, a straight line for the putt, not everybody sees it that way. That's mm-hmm. you know that's basically what I'm getting. Sure. At. Yeah. Absolutely. Some people like to see straight lines, and there's a lot of people who like to see curves. Um, and when they look at these putts, and like, well, yeah, even- I just like to see see the ball going in at this this point in the in the cup, and I just see the ball curving in. And some people see just 
they, they visually they're like, hey, I just want to get the ball started on this line, and I just want to let gravity take over and, and roll in. So it's just different for different people. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times it can be a struggle too if if you have a, a caddy or you're in a team event and you and your partner are reading the putt together, mm-hmm. and your partner goes, yeah, I like it a cup outside the hole. Well, what a cup is to him might not be a cup to you. A hundred percent. Right. Cause you don't know what exactly a cup is, but if you know, visually, you know, so it's, you guys could be two, three different inches off. Yeah. And if that's going to matter on the speed, because that's that hole, the, the size of that hole gets smaller and smaller. If the right? speed's and not like, correct. If the speed's not correct. And so, like you said, the, the center of that hole at perfect speed might be seven o'clock. Yeah. But at different speeds, it's going to change a little bit. But the, the harder you hit it or the softer you hit it, the smaller that center of that hole becomes. I I love, um, you know, you've heard me say this before, but I, at, the best caddy is, is going to tell me, uh, unless it's obvious, you know, whether it's right or left, but the best caddy is going to be like, hey, I see this. I see this breaking right to left or left to right. And then that's all they need to say. And then if I say, hey, how much? Then I want them to give me the best caddy will give me a, a general term. I know some caddies take pride in like pointing the the uh, the flag stick like, hey, put it here, you know, right here, this spot, you know, and I've always I've, I've used this analogy not analogy, but I've used this uh, this saying in the past. I know Billy Casper, you know, was talking to Ben Crenshaw. I've, I've probably told this on the podcast before, but Ben Cren- Ben Crenshaw was asking Billy Casper. Billy Casper was one of the best putters, you know, back in the day that there ever was. And Ben was like, "Hey, what what do you? How do you putt? I'm, you know, where do you pick a line? Do you see it curving? What do you see?" And uh, and and you know, Billy was like, well, "What do you see?" And and Ben was like, "I see this real tight line. Like, I just want to start this ball right on this perfect little spot. You know, I get real precise. Everything's real exact." And then Billy Casper looked at Ben Crenshaw. I was like, "You're not that. You're not that good, son." He's like, "You need to visualize a big, wide, four-inch paintbrush. Just get the ball started. You know, on this line." And and obviously his. His intent behind that was like, it just frees your brain up. Like, I don't need to be so exact. Like, there's a lot of ways to make a putt. Like, I can start the ball, you know, on this four-inch wide paintbrush. I can start it a little bit right, a little bit left. I've hit it, you know, if I hit it, if it's a right-to-left putt from 10 feet, I can start it on the left side of that that paintbrush and still make it. I can start it on the right side of the paintbrush and it'll softer and it can curl in. So the point of that is like you don't have to be so precise and so exact. Like just, just get the ball started mm-hmm. in that that vicinity and let your instincts take over. Uh, for most people, they they play and putt enough that you don't have to be so precise. I mean, look look Billy Casper or Ben Crenshaw. I mean, um, Ben Crenshaw is one of the best putters of all time, and and he obviously took that to heart and won a couple of Masters with it. So um, there, there's something to be said for just visually just relaxing and letting your body just just take care of itself and just get the ball moving in the right direction and just feel feel its way down to the hole mm-hmm. um but i don't know i, I there's, there, it's it's so unique and so individual um you have so many great putters that have done it so many different ways but a lot of them all do a lot of the same things brad faxon ben crenshaw billy casper uh, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, they all do a lot of these things exactly the same, you know. So it's like, why would you not do yeah. do why would you not put the same way? Not te- not from a technical s- standpoint. They all had different set mindset, kind of just the mindset of like, hey, all I have to do is just get the ball going. Like, and it just frees your brain up. Just get the ball moving in this direction. It doesn't have to be so perfect and so exact, you know. And I'm I know Dr. Rotella, you know, good friend of mine. I've worked with him for 20 years. I know he would probably like to hear that, but obviously he his whole thing is, you know, golf is not a game of perfect. Um, it's just just take a step back. Let you don't have to be perfect. Just let it go. Let it go. Just visualize it, see it, let it go. You've got a better chance to hit hit your spots, hit your numbers, hit your um hit your lines when you I guess release control of the stroke. Just let go. 
Be free. Easier said, easier said than done. Way I mean, easier said than done. So two guys with yeah. microphones sitting on their couches. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'm, it's not easy. <laughs> believe me. I couldn't do it. If I could, I'd probably still be playing golf. But uh, here I am. We're on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get to a little, some other little golf news. So Tiger and Rory's TGL thing has been making waves. It seems like something new comes out every day. Um about it so we've talked about it it's the simulator golf league that they're going to start doing here there's 24 guys what six teams and so they announced the format they came out with the format so they're going to do um match play two teams will face each other on a given week only three of the four players on the team will play that week so they have to announce which three of the four are playing um so I guess that get that gives some of these guys some leeway for travel or conflicts or, you know, if the guy's playing in because it's only in Palm Beach. So the studio that they're playing in this they're making is is in Palm Beach. So if John Rom actually John Rom just backed out, wrong bad example. He just backed out of TGL, but he just backed out. <laughs> if yeah. if uh, Terrell Hatton is playing in a in a Euro Tour event in Spain. He doesn't have to be there on Monday. You know, he can be yeah. sat on his team. So three of the four will play. They're going to play an uh, alternate shot format for nine holes. So one player hits a drive. The other player hits the approach. Third player hits the putt and then so on. So a three-man nine-hole alternate shot. Then they're going to play six holes of singles. And so that's one-on-one for one hole. They rotate through the roster of three players, so each player would play two holes. So they play 15 holes. If it's tied, they go to overtime and have a close-to-the-pin competition. you then going to get points, kind of like hockey. If you win the match, you get two points. If you lose, you get zero. If you lose an overtime you get one point. And there's going to be 15 matches. They're all going to play each other. And then there'll be uh, semifinals and finals at a later date. So that's kind of the general format of it. Uh, They did announce, actually today, it announced that there's going to be a shot clock. They're going to have like referees. There's going to be timeouts. You're, You're allowed like two timeouts per session. And 40-second shot clock, they'll get hit with a one-stroke penalty. You know, so they're trying to make it a little bit like team sports. Um, Justin Thomas has signed with the Atlanta team. Colin Morikawa, who I'll get to in a minute here, signed with um, the L.A. team. And then we do have one full squad. My Boston Common Golf team. King and Bradley. Keegan Bradley, Rory McIlroy, Tyrell Hatton, and Adam Scott. That's a good team. Our team Boston Common Golf. And so they they are owned by the Fenway Sports Group, who obviously owns uh, John Henry is the principal owner. He owns uh, the Red Sox. He owns the Pittsburgh Penguins. He owns Roush Fenway Racing. He owns Liverpool Soccer Club in the Premier League. Um, I have I have a feeling. Sorry, not sure. No, go ahead. But I have a feeling that like we all know, like like uh, indoor golf and and simulator golf. Like it's it's ball strike ball striker driven, so to speak. Similar to similar to 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 you know golf on TV. But I will say like championship golf like you have to do everything well like you have to putt well to win you have to hit clutch putts but like in simulator golf like i don't know what the setup is i don't know if they have gimmies a lot of the simulator golf has you know inside of five feet it's a gimme inside of three feet well, so I, the I best know. part is the putting so that's actually that will be the coolest part of this yeah so, what, what is what is the setup of that because i, I want to finish this thought and, I, and you can obviously you know correct me but you're just you are talking about four of the best ball strikers in the game of golf: Terrell Hatton, Rory McIlroy, Keegan Bradley, 
uh, and Adam Scott. Like if you were to say, Hey, can you pick four of the top 30 guys in the world? Um, I, they, those four would be in, in that, on, on that list. Uh, and they all would be medium to average below average putters. I mean, none of those guys are great putters, like not known for being great putters. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not, again, I'm not looking at 2023 stats. I mean, uh, Keegan obviously putted decently this past year. Rory has had his moments. Uh, Hatton's a good putter. And Hatton's a good putter. Hatton's a good putter. And, and, and Adam Scott has putted better with, with the change. Um, but for the most part, they are known for their ball striking, all four of those guys. Like, if you were to say all four of those names, you're like, oh, the, all four of those guys are great ball strikers. That's why you know mm-hmm. who they are. Um, you wouldn't say, oh man, Rory's a great putter. You know, he's he's a top notch putter. And you wouldn't say that about M. Scott, even though he's he is ranked. I mean, he's ranked better, pretty high up there. Better than you would think. Better than you would think. But it's because he's got a beautiful swing and it's a damn ball straight every time solid and all those guys are so that that that's my question with with what this setup is and maybe you can enlighten us on on what the putting aspect of this uh indoor indoor setup is but so there's gonna be putting there's so they're hitting into a 65 foot screen Mm. the whole space is 97 by 50 yards wide oh wow they're hitting from when they're hitting their full swing. They're actually hitting from natural grass. There's a there's going to be real grass inside this place. Fairway really? cut, rough, fairway cut, rough cut, um, and sand. So if they're hitting a fairway bunker, they got to hit out sand. Oh wow, that's awesome! And then there's a what they call the green zone, a short game area, which is the size of four basketball courts, and this green can change shapes for each player. So whatever course they're playing, it's going to simulate that green and the slopes of that green. So it'll change. So the guy's going to hit his actual 20 footer, 20 footer with two feet of break and have to hole out. Which that's cool. Is kind of cool. That's really cool. So here's my thing. I bashed live. I'm going to bash this. Oh, let's hear it. Let's hear it, baby. Bash part of the it. part of the Bash reason it. is like they're coming up with team names. I bashed all the live team names, and I did say in this podcast at the PGA Tour. Now, this isn't directly the PGA Tour. If they had to do it, their team names and their logos would suck too. That has come true. Listen, oh, gosh. Boston Common Golf, terrible name. Big fan of the city. We all know that. I love the place. Boston Common Golf with a frog and a lily pad, dumb. Some of these other ones that I've seen, dumb. We still haven't even gotten all the team names. They're going to be dumb. They're going to be stupid people, okay? They're just not going to be good because you can't just you can't just make up a name. Make this up in a in a boardroom and have some graphic designer make a cool logo. It doesn't work that way. It's got to be a little bit more organic and not so contrived as all this shit is. Like live golf's yeah. contrived. This is contrived. It's just not that cool. At the end of the day, and, and at least this is exhibition, although Rory made some dumb comment in the press conference today, like, oh, well, this is still, you know, a little competitive, but it's outside the box more so than live. And I'm just like, shut up. It's fucking exhibition. It's just money grab for you guys again. All right, Rory, I love you. But it's just a money grab. Yeah. Again. It's a money grab. We're, we're getting all yeah. the stupid, we're getting all the stupid social media content and videos and hype posts. And Colin Morikawa, here's my mass hole minute on Colin Morikawa. Shut up, dude. If you guys, did, I don't know if you caught this, but he got the phone call from the owner of the LA team to say, like, hey, I, I want you on my team. You're on my team. And they, of course, they're recording Colin's response to this, like right? a video of Colin getting the phone call. Right. And he made a quote, and I know he's just playing it up for the cameras. And if he really means this, I'm going to slap him across the face if I ever see him. Because. <laughs> His quote was, and I'm going to make sure I get this right, quote, I just got chills through my body. I don't think I've ever answered a call like this. I got my Ryder Cup call this year, but I think this tops it almost. Oh, Shut up, dude. Shut up. It's a simulator golf league for you to make more money. Like, that's that's, all this is. You sound like a dumb live player. You sound like Bryson DeChambeau, Bubba Watson, Phil Mickelson, and all those (laughs) douchebags over at Live Golf. 
Shut up, uh, guys. I like you guys. Don't make it worse. Don't be live golf, you idiots. I, I think if he could take that back, I think he probably would. I was when I, mean, I saw that, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I like, like Morikawa, I, I do, and I think that I think if he could listen, I do maybe, too. If he could listen to, maybe he's listened to uh, his comments. Somebody's played it back for him, and I think. I think he probably would go back and say, yeah, I don't think that this call was better than than the Ryder Cup. Cup. Well, nah, I don't think so. I don't think it's, I don't I don't think think it's quite it is. the same. I don't think it is, Colin. Like, yeah, will, I, no. will I watch this thing? Yes, because I'm a whore to golf products. I'm a whore. Yeah. Will I watch all of it? No. Some aspects of it will be cool. Is it going to be something extra to watch in the winter when there's nothing on during the week? You know? Football's over. There's no Monday night football anymore. You know, yes. Um, but I, I don't mean, know. They need to, when, they just when need it, to be careful is, to not be so corny and cheesy like Liv. And, and when all is this going to happen? When is when is uh, the, the first, first one? Is actually a Tuesday, January. I think it's January 9th. It's the Tuesday right after. So that Monday is the NCAA national championship game, and then their their first event is going to be a Tuesday. But but we're but that's weird. We're already into the the regular seasons. Yeah. So it's you would almost want this like in the winter, like now, like, like now when I there's shit golf to watch. It should be November through December, like like when I'm I'm at home, like at Thanksgiving or yeah Christmas. Like I want to want to watch like golf, and there's no golf on two months. It should be a two month exhibition spectacle. Yeah, now, so we don't like have to worry right about now, watching the months, Butterfield Bermuda Championship. We can like, watch why? this. I'm not going to watch this over like a, a PGA Tour event. Unless, no, but again, it's Monday. It's, it's Monday night, right? So it's it's a two hour window on ESPN Monday nights, yeah. prime time. A different, completely different slot than a typical PGA Tour event. Yeah, but still, it's just like you know, I don't they're know. banking on you watching this over a uh, an NBA game. Or an but, NHL which, game. which is which is probably fair, but probably not an NFL game. But I, at that point, you know, at that point, the NFL's over. Yeah, we're in the playoffs, so um, I don't know. I I, I think it's I think it, it, whether it was you or McLean, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said like I don't. We we've watched these exhibition exhibition matches um, between you know two and two, um, and it just. There's, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if it's because uh, the setting or, or if it's the lack of uh, importance or or what. But uh, I feel like this simulator golf thing. I, I don't. I just, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it taking off. I mean, uh, that's just my opinion. I, yeah. If it if it does take off, that's great. I would I would love to watch it. And if it's if it's great, and it and pulls the crowd in, I I really think the biggest thing is if, if Tiger does it. I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, that they're also banking on is Tiger and Rory, just the needle movers. Yeah, if the needle movers are there. If Tiger's doing it, and I can watch him swing, and I get a little insight, uh, then I'll I'll tune in for a little bit. But if he's not playing every week, or or, or yeah, he won't be playing every week. If he's not playing every week, then the week that he's not playing, I'm probably not gonna watch. Like, I don't want to watch guys hit into a screen into a simulator. Like, I don't. Like I don't care. Like it's not. You don't want to watch Lucas Glover hit into a screen. No, I don't care about that. It's not fun. I don't. It's not. That's not cool to me. So this is passably uh, dry. We'll be indoors. Yeah, yeah. It's it's passably dry. (laughs) That's true. Oh, our brothers at Link Soul. Sorry, we love we love Link Soul. We do. We do. I did see a a uh, picture of someone online. I think it was. the, the folks at the at shotgun start. I don't know if you guys listen to that podcast, but they posted a video or a picture somebody sent to them that some guy went as Lucas Glover for Halloween and he was just like soaked his shirt in his pants. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I there, there's stuff is I've actually got links all uh, links all pullover on right now. It's awesome. It's great for fall and spring, August, maybe not. Yeah. August in the, the deep but, South. Not so great. The other three seasons of the year, not the heat of the the dead of summer. Summer, yeah, uh, not not great, but um, not, not good. Yeah, yeah. That that saying all that about TGL, I'm probably going to buy one of those 
Boston Common Golf T-shirts because I'm just a whore for Boston sports. Yeah, because yeah, I figured you would. I like. It was, I, was like, I will say I got a little. This? They got a little cool scenes. They had the whole team. I got out to Fenway today. They were hitting balls and at, at Fenway, and they had lockers set up in the Red Sox clubhouse for like you know. So I, you know, the Boston nerd in, in me, I I bought into that a little bit. Uh, you were all about it. You know, once the once the range goats do something like that, maybe I'll buy in. But <laughs> I'm still waiting. I still want some scuttlebutt. You know, from 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 live. I, I the majestics need to make a change. I just can't support them anymore if they don't make a change. <laughs> Come on, majestics. Yeah, we got to send flyers? a me- what, what are they doing these days? Got to send a message. The high flyers are are in a lawsuit over their logo. Um, that logo is awesome. I, I think I have. I have one of the few high flyer logos that that, that logo may go away. And I think I've got a collection. It is going to go away because it's the exact logo of like some footwear company. Is it really? Yeah, they're getting sued. It's like the exact replica. It's like uh, fallen footwear, famous footwear. There's like a footwear company out there. That's like and the it's ex- exact same logo, like the exact same logo. Well, I've got a shirt. That's going to be a <laughs> that's going to be a collector's item. <laughs> You gotta get a cape though. You gotta get one of those high flyers capes that Phil yeah, was that's telling. What I need. That's exactly what I need. A cape. That's what I need. A cape. I would that's lose it. Really if you turn... Next time you you play golf with me and you show up in the first tee with a high flyers cape, I'd fucking lose it. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna get a cape and I'm gonna play with it. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot like fucking seven. Yeah, you have to, you have to play with it though. You can't just take it off. <laughs> you gotta play with it. Uh, I'm gonna break eighty with this cape. You don't have to give me any strokes if you play with the cape. <laughs> Good, because I'm a scratch golfer. I shouldn't give you any you're, strokes. You're, you have no idea how the handicap system works. You're not a scratch golfer. I do I do have an idea of handicaps <laughs> system works, and I hate it. <laughs> I think it's terrible. <laughs> oh shit! And, and I'm a scratch golfer. You're not a scratch golfer. Okay, fine. I'll give you a stroke. I'm, I'm no. plus one. No, no, no. It's the least one aside. You know what I love is that, that listeners, Mikey wanted to make a point. He went and got 12 of my recent scores that I didn't post anywhere because I don't have a handicap or again anywhere. And he took these 12 scores. And, and took the course rating and everything and put them in. And he, he came up with this equation that I'm apparently a plus three, right? Well, it was actually plus three and a half before counting. And I was. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fuck on the golf pro, dude. I know the algorithms. I know the formulas. <laughs> I didn't give you the I didn't give you the rounds where I shot like 76 or that doesn't the, well, I'll, I'll put them in. That's fine. I'll put them in because it's only the top eight that count, so they just won't count. I'll there's put I'll be like, happy to put those in. There's like 20 of them. Okay. And there's also a bunch in the 60s. No, I don't shoot in the 60s that much. You <laughs> <laughs> just did last week. I played with you. <laughs> um one and a half. I'll give you one and a half. Oh God. All right. So, we'll we'll figure this out later. <laughs> Knowing us, we'll never figure this out. But no, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> but you you're definitely more in tune with the handicap system. I don't I don't agree with it. I don't love it, but you again, we were never the, arguing giving, the merits of the system. I'm just in the current the, system. The current system, if you want to put the scores in given the current system, then it is what it is. I I don't I don't agree with it, but it is what it is. <laughs> Here we are. Here, Here we are. are. I'm, All I'm right. a one. I'm a one and a half. Fine. In, in honor of, fine. In honor we'll of, agree. We'll agree on one. No, and a half. you're not one and a half. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. With that being with that being said, let's get to our picks. For yes, your favorite event of the year, the Butterfield Bermuda I Championship. Mean, I have been looking forward to this event all year. What's the name of the golf course, Jay? Uh, no idea. <laughs> Port Royal Golf Course in Bermuda. Royal, Royal Golf Course. One of my favorite. One of my favorite uh, venues. One of my favorite venues. It's Love it's quite place. a classic. Yep. Yeah. It's a good spot. It's a good spot. So uh, I'll, like I'll let I'll let you go first. Okay. Well, then I will. Um. <laughs> 
actually, this is kind of cool. I'm going to start from the bottom because I normally do. Uh, sixty-two hundred bucks. George Bryant, friend of the pod. Um, did he get a sponsor exemption or did he qualify? Money qualify? Did you said? Uh, I think he got a sponsor, sponsor exemption. exemption. Yeah. Pay attention, George Bryant, uh, older brother of Wesley Bryant, who's been a he's a PJ Tour winner. Um, he's a the Brian Brian brothers. They've got their own um, you know Instagram handle. Uh, George is a really good player. You know, I'm, I'm harping on uh, the, my first my first pick here before I get to the rest of them. George is a good player, and he hits it really, really good. So if you have a chance to watch the, the event this week, pay attention to George Bryan because there's a good chance that he plays well and makes the cut. He's been around these guys. He's been around his brother. Uh, he's he's he he's not uncomfortable playing in the PJ Tour event. So it would not surprise me if he goes out and played some good golf. I think they'll pair um, them together. Ah, that would be great if they did. That would be great. That would be hilarious. They need to put mics on both of those guys if they if they get paired <laughs> up. That would be hilarious. Yeah, because I know there's going to be some shit talking because they go at it. They go <laughs> at it. Um, I jump up to sixty seven hundred, Mister Brian Gay. Um, I, I don't. He's playing good golf. I mean, fourteen of nineteen cuts. The guys, he knows how to play. He's going back and forth, Champions Tour, PJ Tour, but Brian Gay's been around for. 30 years. He knows how to play golf. I think he's a pass winner there too. Yeah, he's a pass winner. So he knows how to he knows how to get the ball in the hole. Um, I jump up uh 7900 bucks. Friend of the pod, good buddy. Saw him a couple weeks ago. Lonto Griffin playing some good golf, coming back, feeling good, not hurt. Uh super pumped for Lonto. He's got 16 events um, you know, leading into 2024 to finish in the top 125. Of the previous year's money list, he's on a, um, a medical exemption, and he's off to a, a pretty good start. Thirteenth uh, uh, two weeks ago, I think he topped. He didn't. He didn't play great on the weekend, but he still made the cut, and made some money. So he's playing playing some good golf, feeling good. Um, so pulling for pulling for Lonto really hard, seven nine hundred bucks, and I think he plays well. Uh, jumping up to uh, ninety two hundred bucks, uh, Mister Luke List. Um, you know, nothing, nothing spectacular. Uh, 45th, 18th, and then first at the Sanderson Farms a couple weeks ago. So, um, at 9,200 bucks, it's okay. Let's, let's give it a shot. See what he does. Luke, Luke is one of those guys who can kind of go up and down. You know, he may win, he may finish 50th, and then he may win again. So, I'm banking on the win again this week. Yeah. He definitely uh, is kind of feast or famine. It is a piece of payment for Luke List, but uh, he's a long guy, blasted off the tee, and uh, you never know when he's going to turn it up. So, But he does make a lot of birdies, which is good for this game. Um, next up, uh, Mr. Ben Griffin. Uh, this guy's just played really, really good golf. I'm obviously, you know, the last couple of weeks, 23rd last week, uh, 64th at the Zozo, um, and second at the Sanderson Farms, but – um, prior to that, uh, the tail end of the, the 2023 season, um, it played some good, really good golf. It, rook, is he a rookie officially on the PGA Tour? I think he. Maybe, I, I think he, he is. I, don't, I've, I mean, I think he's officially a rookie. I know he's a. I know he's working at a bank like a year yeah. ago. So I think he is a. I think he is a a, a rookie, but. The guy's taking advantage of um, the situation, which is kind of cool. So I pull for a guy like that. Last but not least, uh, at ten seven, Mister Adam Scott. Uh, oh, the favorite. Yeah, why not? I like Adam Scott. Um, or at least, at least the highest dollar guy. He's the highest dollar guy. I don't know if he's the favorite. I'm not sure the, the betting favorite, but I, I just you know, it's Adam Scott, and he's you know. I don't know what else to say about him. I just like the guy. Okay. Right. Boom. Boom. Adam Scott. Okay. I'll go quick. Um, $68. Mine was, mine was quick. I was, that was quick. For um, me. Sure. Just like you're one and a half. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a one and a half handicap and I'm a quick, I'm a quick DraftKings pick. I'm going to go 6,800. David Lingworth. Oh, Lingworth. 
Yeah. I needed I needed someone down the board. Uh and that's who I picked. That's all I'm gonna say on David Lingworth. So then I go <laughs> then I go up seventy eight hundred Troy Merritt. Hmm. Uh, coming off a good week. Coming off a good week. Actually, not really. He drove the ball well, but he didn't do much else well. He has played well at this golf course in the past. He um a little feast or famine this fall for him, but I like Troy. Then I go uh for the reasons you said, Lanto Griffin, seventy nine hundred dollars. I got him as well. Let's go, Lanto. Let's go. Everybody's pulling for Lanto. If then I go Lonto, Nick. Then you're not a golf fan. Nick you're Hardy. Not a golf fan if you don't pull for him. I like Nick Hardy at uh, eighty six hundred dollar like playing Do playing like. playing solid. I think he had like a T like twenty five here last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I, I was looking at his name quite a bit. I, I was trying to fit him in there. It didn't make sense, but for me, yeah. But I like Nick Hardy. You're that's a good pick. And then I go Ben Griffin, just like you, uh, for the reasons you said, been playing pretty solid. And he did have a lead here and got gagged it away in the final round last year and finished third. So uh, obviously likes this golf course, played well, uh, maybe get a little redemption. And then my last guy, high guy, 9,600, Alex Norman. Mm. It's kind of like him, grinder in a windy, windy conditions down there. Low just cut. Flushes it. I just kind of like that style of player in this uh at this venue and this this weather. So can he win? Can he there win? You go. Can he win? I don't know if he can win, but I think he can get a top ten for me. Yeah, I I would agree with that 100 um, percent Yeah. Yeah. So there it is. Uh the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. I'm really excited about this event. I'm yeah, really I'm pumped up about it. It's gonna be great. Yeah. It's gonna be great. All right. Everyone can watch your Ever oh, go buy your that? Boston Common Golf T-shirts and uh, <laughs> your high it's flyer first time I've ever, it's First time I've ever heard you talk talk poorly about anything Boston. It's just dumb. I'm 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 fair and balanced. When something's dumb, I call it dumb. You're getting there. You're getting there. I mean, this is a good step in the right direction. I love I love Rory. I'll bash him if I need to. I love Morikawa. Yeah. Don't say dumb shit, or I'm going to call you out on it. <laughs> So. It's a big step. This is a big step, Mikey. It's a big Thank step you. for you. Thank you. I'm growing. Not physically. <laughs> I wish I was growing physically, but uh <laughs> so all right. Thanks, Jay. That was a pleasure. McLean, love you, miss you. And to our listeners, thank you as always. We'll be back next week. Oh, and we do, we'll tease this. We have a guest lined up for the next week or two. Should be a really cool conversation. So keep your eye out for that. Yeah, so, keep your eyes open. Things. This is going to be a good one. This is going to yeah. be a good one. So, uh, all right, buddy. Cheers. Later. Later.